0: It is day twenty (laughs) six. It's day twenty six in quarantine. Yep, it's been a while. It has been a while, and we have a lot more days (laughs) left. At least until April thirtieth. I have a sneaking suspicion. It's gonna be more longer. It's gonna be more, but I mean, what have you? I mean, uh, we have in New York. Just a casual, hey guys, stay at home, Mm -hmm. you know, directive from the governor. There's nothing, you know, actually being forcefully implemented on us. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in Sri Lanka, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, my entire family is on the curfew. That's true.
1: Yeah, in India, like, my family has been telling me that they have been under lockdown for... This will be the second week, actually. Mm -hmm. But police are outside watching, monitoring if people go outside... And that is not for either groceries or something very essential.
0: So... Whether by force or by, Mm -hmm. you know, casual Mm -hmm. directive. (laughs) Um, We're all been told... We've all been told to stay home. Mm -hmm. To stay safe. To save lives.
1: Yeah. And all the businesses are closed down. Nothing is open except grocery stores. Our liquor store closed down. Yeah. Essential services are open.
0: And so we're staying home. But Mm -hmm. all of this talk of staying home made us think about you know what is home
1: yeah I mean we talk about this all the time since it means a lot for us to have a home or at least identify what our home is Mm -hmm. but this is literally what is home because in this time of when you are told to stay home where do you find that home you know
0: yeah and what if your home is not a safe place what if your home isn't you know, somewhere where you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and able to be yourself, what then? Yes. We talk about all of that, but mm-hmm. first, what have you been thinking about since two uh, weeks ago? What have I been thinking about? I mean, there's a lot of things that
1: are in my mind, but something on the lighter side of this is... Uh, uh, so, I've been using Tinder uh, and Hinge, and it has been interesting. I have talked to a couple of people, and... Um, I don't know it's it's a strange uh, it's a strange conversation because everyone is inside there nothing exciting is happening in anyone's lives like all there is a talk about like what we have been doing or what shows are being watched or what are you reading and I find myself, like, being blocked out of, like, conversation, you know? Like, I don't know what else to say. And ha- that doesn't happen to me often when but I'm that, talking to people.
0: This is, like, a really unique place and time to be dating. Because, yeah. I mean, if you have no chance of me- meeting, no chance of just, like, mm-hmm. having a drink and then having sex with someone. Yeah. All there is left is to... Actually talk. Actually
1: talk. Which I've done, but it, it's it's more... It's different now because there's no like timeline of when we'll be meeting or mm-hmm. like if there is more to this than just like endless conversations. Because like at some point you you want to be seeing someone to have that, I guess like, oh, like I'm talking, but it is there somewhere down the line. I'm going to see this person, but now there's no, no point in yeah. that, you know, so it's different.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we have to talk about that more in the future because <laughs> I think you should do a report for all of us that aren't on dating apps mm. and tell us, you know, what is it like dating in quarantine? That would be interesting. And it's so, I mean, it's so odd, the whole a purpose of Tinder as it has become known, the whole purpose of Tinder as it is now mm-hmm. in the, you know, world of millennials yeah. is that we use it to hook up. Mm-hmm. So what happens when that like, hooking up <laughs> is against <laughs> CDC regulations?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, that would be a very interesting conversation. But I need to be in this for more and really be invested in it to find out more. Because yeah. I haven't been using it as much as I would on a normal day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so for me... What I've been thinking about is—it's kind of related to the home thing, so don't mm. <laughs> don't hold it against me. Um, but I've been thinking about uh, this book that I'm reading. It's called Half Gods, by Akhil Kumaraswamy. Uh, she's a Sri Lankan author based in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and she writes this almost mythical story of two brothers living in the diaspora, uh, dealing with you know, the violence against their people, Tamils, mm-hmm. in a country they've never been to. Oh, wow. You know, their mo- their mother and grandfather were refugees mm-hmm. from Sri Lanka during the Civil War in the 80s. And oh, so okay. they, they've never been to this country, uh, and uh, they're really learning about it secondhand from whatever their parents, mm-hmm. you know, will tell them. And... There are all these small moments that even I recognize in myself where they go to the beach on mm-hmm. Jersey Shore and the grandfather is asked to pay $10 to get into the beach. Yep. And he's like, what? I grew up on the beach. Mm-hmm. The beach is accessible. I had a whole coastline to myself. Yeah. And I have to pay $10 to just access the water. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like all these stories and feelings of, being in a place that brings you happiness like the ocean Mm -hmm. but not not having it being that ocean yeah I feel like that and it just brought me back to all of the like this conversation about the immigrant experience that we're always Mm -hmm. having where a lot of it is just (laughs) wishing you were somewhere else Mm
1: mhm it's it's a a a feeling of longing yeah constantly always yeah I've noticed personally as well when I I'm here but like I hear stories of India when on a good day like I would be, you know, talk to my, my aunts or uncles and they tell me about oh how the kids are playing downstairs cricket or like you know just like out on the streets and i would be like, Oh, I wanna do that, like I wish I was there, like, you know, experiencing that but also like when I'm there when I went to India last year for three weeks. Um, by the end of the second week, I was wanting to come back home here. Yeah. You know? So, it's it's a mixed feeling of what is...
0: How how do you miss home, you know? Yeah. And especially for... I mean, it's like... If you found home in two places or more places, how do you... I mean, how do you justify that? Where do you find mm-hmm. uh, the middle ground? I mean... I think that we've just been conditioned through, you know, stories and fairy tales mm-hmm. and movies, to believe that home is just one place that you keep going back to. Mm-hmm. But I think as I'm going older, I'm, I'm realizing that it's more fluid than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except when the government says stay home. This is Nicole. This is Nali. And this. Is- for today home yes extremely big but (laughs) what do you think when I say home Mm -hmm. especially in times of quarantine
1: for me it has been essential that I stay here in my Brooklyn apartment because this is what I feel home at in the past 11 years since I've been here in the US home hasn't been a feeling that I've constantly felt when i was living with my parents um when i was in the dorms or like it it was constant movement for me since i moved like three three states yeah Mm -hmm. like i'm finally in new york i've been living here for the past seven years now but yeah here right now i feel home at you know and i i have associated a lot of feelings with that but i think home for me means I get my freedom, I get to do what mm. I want to do. At a certain point, of course, like my family, friends are very associated with that feeling, but it boils down
0: to what my freedom is at that place, you know? So even in critical times like this, mm-hmm. where we really don't have the freedom to go outside like we yeah. usually would, mm-hmm. you still associate home, this home mm-hmm. that we're recording in right now yeah. with freedom.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I really thought about this, and I that is what has made me realize that that's what I look for in a place where I feel like
0: home. At. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Um, This is definitely home for me. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean. I can relate it to The fact that All my material belongings in here (laughs) Which is also An important part Like my books And the fact that Everything in here Mm -hmm. We poured Detail into And thought Mm -hmm. into Nothing is just Here For no reason Exactly Because I mean Everything here Was either bought By necessity Mm -hmm. Or because we really Loved it Like our blue (laughs) (laughs) bench Yes And (laughs) everything I mean everything Was put in place Mm -hmm. With intention And so I feel like I'm lucky and so I feel lucky to have a place that Mm -hmm. is fully mine and yours. (laughs) And where you know, I feel that my that I feel if I left this place Mm -hmm. and someone else walked in, Mm -hmm. they would be able to say, Oh yeah, this is Nicole and Hinali's apartment. Mm -hmm. That's I mean I feel at home in these walls. Yeah. And safe in these walls Mm -hmm. to be myself, like you said. And just to not even be myself, but grow into myself, mm-hmm. it feels like a safe place for me to grow. Yes,
1: actually, when you say that, like I, I just I didn't really think about that, but yes, there is room for me to just be my, my be myself first of all. But at the same time, if I do something, I can figure that out in my own space
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's not like someone is watching over me like telling me something or like you know constantly like oh you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that do this do it this way you know Yeah. so it's a different yeah and that also comes down to like how much freedom you get to be yourself within a place you know
0: exactly and I mean so many of our friends especially coming from you know brown families mm-hmm. South Asian families Or even even not. I mean, when you're living with your parents, Mm -hmm. you really have to give up a certain sense of freedom, a a certain sense of independence. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I love my parents Mm -hmm. and I love being back at their house, you know, know, my dad's house in Long Island. I love being at home with my mom in Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. but I don't really have complete freedom to be Mm -hmm. me as I am. Yeah. And so I mean, I'm really thinking about people that are home mm-hmm. uh, in situations like that. I mean, like where everyone in your family is also home, twenty four hours a day, yes. working from home. You know, like, yes, living yeah, living
1: conversation
0: twenty four seven, mm-hmm. no privacy. Yeah, I'm. I'm always thinking about that during these times. I mean, you know, you have no option to leave. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like there
1: is no outdoors. Here at this point mm-hmm. so yeah what happens when you are constantly surrounded by that you know chaos and then you have, want to leave
0: but you can't yeah exactly so I think that we should take a second and check our privilege <laughs> a little <laughs> bit yes. for being able to you know yeah it took effort and whatever mm-hmm. time and everything else mm-hmm. but we do have a, a space to call our own yes it reminds me of the Virginia Woolf story uh, a room of one's own Mm -hmm. and she says that any writer for a writer to be successful for a woman writer to be successful she needs a room of her own Mm -hmm. and I mean I took that and applied it to my life
1: yeah I mean but (laughs) that applies to your life you know like how much can you be surrounded by other people's you know comments all the time on your life, on your decisions.
0: Yeah. And that it's just that you need space that is yours. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't mean like, you know, for example, with Virginia Woolf, it doesn't mean that she was going to use that space to just become an amazing writer. Mm -hmm. And that's all she did with it. But it's just like, you have the space to do that if you need to. Mm
1: -hmm. But so as we talked about, we have this, this place. What about people who don't, who are workers are, who are undocumented who maybe don't have a safe space when they go home at, or you know a place that they live at what about that like i i've been thinking about how much privilege we have like in this past few weeks a mm-hmm. lot more than i usually think about it yeah and definitely. i i was just like wondering like what happens to people when they can't call their living situation a home yeah, when you constantly have to be home for
0: like uncertain amount of days. Yeah, I mean that's terrifying. I mean I've seen resources for people that are in abusive situations mm-hmm. at home as well, and we'll definitely link that in our description mm-hmm. description. But that's what I mean. I mean, if you don't have space that's also what I mean like that you don't have space to just be you and just relax mm-hmm. and feel safe
1: yeah I mean like I was just so in India since it has been a complete log- complete lockdown of the entire country there are billions of people living there but I've been seeing pictures of migrant workers who've been walking like herds of people walking to find a home but there isn't any you know or at least like it's very far away what do you do in that situation there's no they don't know how to figure out or how to deal with the virus itself they could spread easily between those people Mm -hmm. at the same time like where do they go away or like how to maintain maintain that social distancing while still not having a home or having a place to be inside somebody's
0: yeah and if you if we even bring it back to new york how do people that are unable to pay rent Mm -hmm. in New York, Cuomo, our governor, put in a moratorium on evictions for 90 days? Mm -hmm. But what if I can't afford to pay my rent for 90 days and then I get evicted? Yeah, exactly. Like, what happens after? Yeah, what happens after it's okay to evict me again? Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to take shelter, which is a basic need. Yeah. And so that's when we should start thinking about like this sense of home as this ideal place of being your true self and Mm -hmm. feeling that you're most comfortable and also this idea of home as shelter as you know basic need Mm -hmm. that everyone should have every single person should have access to which unfortunately isn't
1: the case for the book i'm reading right now it's called evicted and it it revolves around the lives of um eight people Uh, Two of them are landlords, and the rest are tenants, but in a very low-income uh, neighborhood of Milwaukee. Uh, so it, it revolves around two different housing situations. One is a trailer park, it, and the other one is a very inner part of the city, which has very low-income housing, but at the same time, it's very easy to get evicted if you mm-hmm. are late on payments, or, and most of the people who are in the story, it's a, it's a non-fiction book. So this is actually happening. Um they, they rely on um, social security checks or like, you know, other income from the government. Um, and so how do you feel at home when you're constantly on the search for a new place or who are afraid that you won't be able to pay rent because all you have is this sort of limited income coming from the government. You probably have kids, you know, in that situation. Like a lot of the, yeah. uh, the people in this book have kids. Um, and... Uh, it's when I'm reading through this, I'm just frustrated at like, how this is possible for like landlords to be doing this, and how easy it is for them to like get a lot of properties, very low amount because mm. people defaulted because they couldn't, they weren't able to pay their rents, right? And so it's just a, a surplus of housing, um, and easy, and easy for landlords to get new people and evict old ones, but like people who are. Been living like that, they have no choice but to be on a constant move. Yeah, know? and I'm am I'm just I don't know overwhelmed by everything that's been happening, and then l- reading things like this and how bad it has been on other normal days, as we say it, you know. Yeah. Um, and for people to have situations like that, and for us to ask people. To be
0: inside a home when there is no home for yeah. some people. Exactly, and that's why, I mean, in times of crisis like this COVID 19 crisis, it really, I mean, we already knew. Mm-hmm. We already knew that, you know, America's systems were broken. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it shines a glaring light. You mm-hmm. can't ask people to stay home if they their homes aren't stable. Mm-hmm. You can't ask people to stay home if there aren't you know, structures built to support, you know, people in abusive domestic relationships. Yeah. You can ask people to stay home if they, they're they living in unlivable living conditions. Okay, so Mona Chalabi, a data journalist and illustrator, did a study and found that that most of the housing violations in New York City can be linked to five landlords. The quote, worst landlord in New York City, a guy named Jason Korn, had 2877 housing violations that he hadn't fixed wow i mean that how do you how do you reckon with that allow that to happen and then ask people to stay home yeah exactly
1: also from what i've been reading like a lot of times landlords get away with this or they don't have to fix uh their their property as long as it's livable and livable could be determined by a housing inspector on their conditions it's yeah. not a universal standard yes so it could be anything landlords get away with a lot of things everywhere in the United States and it is ridiculous to expect people to have little amounts of salary most of which which goes to rent because housing is very expensive and then be able to live inside for a long time without an end date. Yeah. And I, I'm just shocked to be reading and finding so much
0: information about exactly the
1: broken systems that we have in place.
0: And so that's why this whole quarantine thing has really made me think about home, like I said, in two ways. Mm-hmm. There's like this idea of home as a sort of imaginary place mm-hmm. a feeling mm-hmm. almost an idea yeah and that's the home that we're always talking about yeah and we're always talking about it when we talk about our immigration story mm-hmm. we talk about when we talk about you know anything relating to where we're from and where we want to be mm-hmm. but then i mean <laughs> in terms of stay home to say li- save lives mm-hmm. and in terms of What's happening outside right now, and the fact that we have not left our house, yeah, except for one two grocery store trips mm-hmm. in three weeks, yeah, I mean, home literally goes from being an imaginary place to being of four walls,
1: yeah, yeah, and for a lot of people, that's not enough, or at least not not something that they can do for however long, you know,
0: yeah. So before we, you know, sat down and recorded this, before we even thought this would be an episode, um, you showed me this passage from the book you're reading, Evicted by Matthew Desmond, and you showed me this passage. The book is about two landlords and their six tenants. It basically explores the housing crisis from both angles. Um, I know we talked about it earlier, but you showed me this passage called Home and Hope. And I think that it's the perfect way to end this episode. Do you want to read it? Yeah. Sure. The home is the center of life. It is a refuge
1: from the grind of work, the pressure of school, and the menace of the street. We say that at home, we can be ourselves. Everywhere else, we are someone else. At home, we remove our masks. Mm-hmm. The home is the wellspring of personhood. It is where our identity takes root and blossoms. Where, where as children, we imagine, play, and question, and as adolescents, we retreat and try. As we grow old, we hope to settle into a place to raise a family or pursue work. When we try to understand ourselves, we often begin by considering, this, by considering the kind of home in which we are raised. In languages spoken all over the world, the word for home encompasses not just shelter, but warmth, safety, family, the womb, The ancient Egyptian hieroglyph for home was often used in place for mother. The Chinese word jia can mean both family and home. Shelter comes from two old English words, shield and trauma, together forming the image of family gathering itself within a protective shell. The home remains the primary basis of life. And that's it. I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. I think so too. So until next time, this is Nali. This is Nicole. And this is 12 Ounces, the podcast.